Brandon Marshall. Noah Syndergaard. I'm Henrik Lundqvist. I'm Jamal Adams. World Series champion, Tino Martinez. Two-time Olympic gold medalist and World Cup champion, Tobin Heath. And you're listening to Danielle McCartan. On 60 Minute Overtime. On WRPR. www.prosportsrundown.com. At Coach McCartan. Facebook.com. Slash Coach McCartan. All right. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. It is January 6, 2019. This is the first episode of 60 Minute Overtime for the 2019 year. I was going to say season, but let's call it a year. Today's guest, I have a pre-recorded interview one-on-one with, you know him, Phil Sims. I mean, he's, he's, is he not the best? Uh, so that'll be uh, probably the last thing we do today. Next, uh, let's go through the rundown of what's going on here. We have, obviously, the opening monologue coming up in a second. We're going to talk about Jets, coaching staff, and GM moves. Also, should Eli Manning stay or go? Some Giants needs we're going to uh, talk about. So NFL playoffs recap of last night. Kind of looking forward to what's going on today. And judging the Yankees' recent roster moves. <laughs> Someone on, on uh, Warrior Class. Hey, hey, he's on a lot on Periscope. Warrior Class, how you doing? He said, no hat today. No, no hat t- today on playoff Sunday. Judging the Yankees' recent roster moves, like I just said, and a real head-scratcher I have for you guys for my What the F story of the week. And that's the rundown of what's going on. You know where to find me on Twitter, Facebook, Periscope. Oh, I forgot to start up the YouTube Live. I will uh, I'll start that up in a second as this goes along. So why have I been absent? Well, I feel like I, I should explain. Well, I, was on a, I went on a little trip. Anybody that knows me well knows that I uh, one, of, one of my life goals is to get to speak and see, I should say, see every single MLB stadium. Um, and I have this little map. Uh, I got it for Christmas this year. It's a wooden map. And what it is is um, it, 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 it's supposed to be for bottle caps. But what I got it for, and I got little baby Petri dishes, 25 millimeters in diameter. And I'm collecting dirt from all the stadiums. So I visited my 12th stadium, and it was um, – it was Kansas City, and I went to Kansas City, and I know I did not get to see a Chiefs game. I wasn't there on a Sunday, although they were home versus the Raiders. I would have loved to have seen that. But um, I did go, and I did see Kauffman Stadium, and uh, I checked off 12 out of, out of 30. And a couple things about Kauffman Stadium is obviously where the Royals play. Um, some impressions of it, you know, I think it would have been better to have visited it during the summertime. Because I, I didn't know this. I mean, I knew they had fountains, but I did not know that Kansas City was the, um, how should I say it, behind Rome, Kansas City has the most fountains in one city in the world. Like, who knew that? I know I didn't. So what they have in the stadium is obviously some fountains. And here's how this works. The story goes that... Uh, the tour guide, you know, the Kaufman started the stadium, uh, you know, started the Royals and built the stadium out there for the Royals. And the Mr. Kaufman was not a very big baseball fan, although Mrs. Kaufman was. And the story goes like this. The original plan for the stadium was, if, you, if you've ever been there, you know that Kaufman Stadium is directly next to, adjacent to, Arrowhead Stadium, where the Chiefs play. They share parking lots, etc. And the original plan for the stadium was to have a roof that was, and this is what, 1960s we're talking, that the, that the roof was supposed to slide from when the Royals needed it across the parking lot to when the Chiefs needed it. And uh, 
there were budget cuts, et cetera, et cetera, that had gone on, and the first thing to go was the roof and the plans for the roof. Now, they had already built the tunnel that was supposed to be one of the tracks that, that was going to connect the one stadium to the other. Um, and it was for the, the track, you know, the tracking. So what they did was they turned that into a tunnel. There is a tunnel that goes from behind home plate of Kauffman Stadium, and it runs directly to the 50-yard line of Arrowhead Stadium, which is, I think, pretty cool. But back to the fountains. So obviously there were some budget constraints going on there, and the roof was the first to go, and then the next thing that was supposed to go were the fountains. And if you've ever seen it, they have fountains that, that shoot up all into the outfield. And it, it, I, I guess it's really nice. I didn't go because when I went, it was uh, 12 degrees of wind chill when, when I was there. When the tour was over, not when it started. I'm sure it was like single digits when it started. Windy as all hell. But the fountains, that those were next to go. And Mr. Kaufman was like, well, you know, we got, we got to get rid of the fountains. They, they're costing too much. Mrs. Kaufman was like, uh, I don't think so. So she whipped out her checkbook, wrote a check in whatever, 1960s, for $1.5 million, and the, sta- and the stadium was able to keep the fountains because of her donation. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, she said nope, and obviously $1.5 million is a lot back then. So, And, and the, the one other thing I took away was that before he died, Mr. Kaufman sold the team to somebody an owner, a new owner, that would vow never to move the Royals out of Kansas City. So they are there forever. And it was cool. I got my dirt. And um, and on to the next one. Check another one off. I wish I could have seen Arrowhead Stadium, though. I was looking for tours, but they're sold out until the end of January, actually. So how's that for, how's that for a little uh, little information? And, and by the way, the, can- the city of Kansas City, it's so small. I can't believe that it's considered one of the main cities in in this country. I mean, it's the size of Hoboken, I I think. And and, and almost it was better than Hoboken because there was no traffic. There was no traffic in the entire city of Kansas City at all. At all. The the most traffic I got stuck in Kansas City was in my rental car behind the, the electric train that runs up and down the main street there. That was the most traffic I got. That was the most stopping I did. That was the longest drive I had. So, the New York Jets are uh, obviously looking for a new quarterback. And, uh, and and Warrior Class wants to know, did I get KC Barbecue? Yes, of course I did. I stopped at a place called Q39. I had to drive around the parking lot four times to get a spot. Kansas City Barbecue, two thumbs up for sure. Um, so, the Jets are looking for a new quarterback. And each day... Each hour, it seems, a new name is being tossed into the ring by the media, by Jets Twitter, by just about everybody that has access to a keyboard. And everybody with a mouth seems to have an opinion on who should be the next new head coach of the Jets. And um, that is also inclusive of the Jets' defensive players. Jamal Adams and Marcus May have chimed in on Twitter. See, what happens is Jamal Adams followed... Uh, Cliff Kingsbury on social media and then SNY tweeted looks like Jamal Adams might have a top choice for the next head coach of the Jets and then Adams responded with a quote tweet saying you damn right and then Marcus May responded to that with the praying hands emoji so uh, who is this Cliff Kingsbury guy in my opinion 
Kingsbury in 2019 would be a better fit to be an offensive coordinator, not a head coach for the Jets. And I have to preface this by saying that USC, where he is currently employed, he has not coached a, a down at UFC. But where he is currently employed there, and obviously out in California, University of Southern California, he signed on to be their offensive coordinator. And and Cliff Kingsbury is going to have to make a decision here. Does he continue to have a surefire thing in an offensive coordinator position at, at um, U- USC? Or does he quit that job before even walking into the building to take a chance on the NFL? So that's where he has right, is right now because USC has blocked him from interviewing for the head coach position for the New York Jets and for the Arizona Cardinals. Absolutely blocked. He cannot go on the interviews. But if he quits, he can then go on the interviews. And um, I, I just don't see him panning out to be a head coach. I know he has head coach aspirations, but you know sometimes it's better to take a step back, and, and I've learned that too. So t- sometimes it's better to take a step back, know what you're getting into before you actually get into it. And I think, I think Cliff Kingsbury would be a fine offensive coordinator. So, so who is he? Well, as a player, he was a sixth-round pick in the 2003 NFL Draft, and that was 201st overall by who else other than the New England Patriots. So some pros, some good things about Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he was a quarterback. That's number one. That That's number one. Obviously, see, when the Jets are looking for a head coach, I have two qualifications. One, they're an offensive mind. We're done. Actually, three qualifications. One, I'm looking for an offensive mind. We're done with these defensive coordinators. The league is not going that way anymore. Two, they need to have quarterback experience. Obviously, because Sam Darnold fin- just finished his rookie season, and he is going to take a step back with a brand new system being put into place because Todd Bowles is not coming back next year. So they need to have quarterback experience, whoever is going to coach the Jets. And uh, the third thing, that I wish the Jets would go after is somebody with a proven track record as a head coach, now I'm talking. Okay, we're done with these guys that are... I heard that they're interviewing a, a defensive back coach from, from the, the Cowboys. We're done with that. We are done with, with that. For the Jets, they need to hire somebody with a proven track record. And for me, that leaves Mike McCarthy and or, or probably or, Bruce Arians. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. That's what needs to happen for the New York Jets because the last time the Jets hired somebody with a a proven track record, you know what his name was? His name was Bill Parcells. And and, and interestingly enough, that was 1998. Bill Parcells came in, proven guy, changed the uniforms. This is, that's when, the, the, the Jets have, the uniforms that you see, they're going on their 21st year of having those uniforms. How old do you feel right now? So now, the Jets are getting new uniforms in 2019 with a new coach, and hopefully a proven coach. And um, I, ju- I tweeted this morning, um, a player, I'm not going to say who, a player told me that the Jets' alternate uniforms will feature black jerseys, um, similar to those that you, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of the practice jerseys for the quarterbacks, you know, the don't hit them jerseys. They're, they were black with green numbers. Those are going to be an alternate jersey, according to this player. So um, there's already been reaction on Twitter with that, too. People are saying no. But unfortunately, that is, or fortunately, I think they look kind of cool. That is uh, the alternate jersey for the Jets moving forward. So some parallels between the 1998 season and the 2019 season um, is that I hope the Jets are walking into that season with a head coach, a proven guy, proven commodity, Super Bowl winner, and a new, a new uniform. So... 
Back to Cliff Kingsbury. He was a quarterback. Checks a box for me. As an offensive coordinator, I'm saying, not as a head coach. Before you guys start freaking out. He second thing I liked about him was that he played a year as Tom Brady's understudy. Now, Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever have played this game. I'm sorry. He is. And Cliff Kingsbury won a Super Bowl championship as a backup to Tom Brady. And another backup to Tom Brady that I've actually spoken to was uh, Mike Teal. And and this was uh, over a year ago and I just remember this conversation because it was so it was so poignant to me about how uh, he talked about being Tom Brady's understudy and listen to this. And and this obviously had rubbed off on Cliff Kingsbury too. I'm sure it did. You were with the Patriots briefly in 2010. Did you get to play alongside Brady at all? I did. My locker was right next to him. I was there for about two months before I got sent to Chicago, and I learned more football from him in in two months just observing him and watching the way he handled himself than than I did my entire time in the NFL. So I was was lucky from that perspective. Wow. So obviously learning more – from what he had ever experienced in his football career, that was Mike Teal, having his locker next to Tom Brady for two months. Now Cliff Kingsbury was next to Tom Brady for an entire year and won a Super Bowl with him. So that checks a box of mine. Now here's another interesting nugget that I had found. If in a perfect world Mike McCarthy becomes a Jets head coach, right? We know that in the NFL the the relationships and coaching staffs are all incestuous. We know that. They're not picking somebody that they don't know, the head coach I'm saying. So they're going to go with somebody that's familiar. Well, if it is Mike McCarthy, in 2004, right, the New Orleans Saints, guess who was Cliff Kingsbury's offensive coordinator? If you guessed Mike McCarthy just now, if that name just popped into your mind, that is true. That is the answer. Mike McCarthy was Cliff Kingsbury's offensive coordinator. And Brett Favre came out and said, I think that Mike McCarthy is a great choice for any of these teams, meaning the Jets and and the Browns. Uh, uh, No, I'm sorry. I think he's a great choice for any of these teams with a coaching opening, but those two in particular, the Jets and the Browns, because of the quarterback situation. Now, if Brett Favre comes out and says that, that's a vote of confidence because obviously he's known in Packertown as, as the guy. So Mike McCarthy's got a vote of confidence from, from Brett Favre. Mike McCarthy's got a vote of confidence from me too. And if he is, in fact, the head coach, I'm saying that he's probably going to bring in, or I would like him to bring in, Cliff Kingsbury as his offensive coordinator because he's not ready for a head coaching job in the NFL. But there's a good chance that he would take an offensive coordinator job if McCarthy's in place. Because, look, I, like I was saying on, on, on ESPN Radio with Steve Cofield the other night in, out in Las Vegas, I, I like guys that climb the rungs of the ladders. So if you look at the two most exciting coaches this season, they would be, I'm telling you, Matt Nagy from the Bears and Sean McVay of the Rams. When you look at their sort of resume, their climb to the top, the, their ascension to the head coach position in, in the NFL, Matt Nagy climbed the tree. He was first a quarterback's coach then an offensive coordinator, and then a head coach. And Warrior Class is saying that he knows the NFC North pretty well, and he he would serve the Browns well to keep Greg Williams, as he's the interim now, as their head coach. I agree. I think that is the best course of action for them, which is good news for the Jets, for once, that they might get their first choice of uh, of coaching coaching. choice, for lack of a better word. So Matt Nagy climbed the tree. 
quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, head coach. Then Sean McVay also climbed the tree as a tight ends coach and then an offensive coordinator and then a head coach. What I'm saying is this is a clear path to a head coach position if, in fact, Kingsbury signs on to be an offensive coordinator. And if I'm him, I am taking that path. The one where Mike McCarthy is the head guy. And I'm learning the NFL's ways under my former coordinator. That's low risk, high reward for me. And when his Texas, and this is Cliff Kingsbury, when his Texas Tech, say that 10 times fast, Texas Tech, uh, it was ranked number two in the FBS scoring offense category. Guess who his quarterbacks were? Patrick Mahomes, a sophomore, and Davis Webb, a junior. And now Davis Webb is currently still listed as quarterback, I think, three. Yeah, quarterback three on the Jets roster. A lot of familiarity there. In fact, there have been many prominent quarterbacks that have played under Cliff Kingsbury. Case Keenum, Johnny Manziel, of course, Davis Webb, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. These are all NFL quarterbacks, obviously with the exception of Manziel. But right now, these are all guys in the NFL right now. And I went back even further. Patrick Patrick Mahomes tweeted, Thank you to Cliff Kingsbury for everything you've done for me in Texas Tech University. You believed in me when very few people did and helped me become the quarterback and person I am today. Patrick Mahomes, the candidate, leading candidate for MVP of the National Football League in this season, has credited Cliff Kingsbury for helping him become the quarterback and the person he is today. That is a resounding, resounding backing for me. Obviously, with the pros, there are some cons. Cliff Kingsbury coached Texas Tech. His overall record as head coach, 35-40 and 40 overall in six seasons, which is not good. And he was fired at the end of that sixth season. And at the end, the very end, that was he, he was sliding down a five-game losing streak to close out that season. And although the Red Raiders, they could light up the scoreboard as well as any team in the country, their inability to make defensive stops put them just too far behind. And they were just too deep to dig out of them. Another knock on Cliff Kingsbury is that he's had one bowl win in three appearances. And then I found this interesting. An anonymous, everybody's hiding behind these anonymous sources. I hate that. An anonymous Big 12 coach said that Cliff Kingsbury wasn't, was not ready for the role when Texas Tech hired him. Kingsbury is a hard worker and super talented, he said. But he was not prepared to be a head coach when he got the job and just hasn't put it all together at this point. He tries to do so much on offense. Well, here's my bottom line. Think about all the potential candidates for the Jets. They've pretty much all been fired from their last job. No? That should not be held against Kingsbury or any of the guys. The Jets and the Cardinals are set to meet with him if, in fact, USC will allow that or if he quits the UFC job before it even began. And in my opinion, the ladder to the new head coach position should be climbed rung by rung. And if Kingsbury is open to signing on as, as an offensive coordinator, set to grow Sam Darnold as he helped the career of so many NFL quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes, as you saw and from his own words, I am 100% on board with Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator of the New York Jets moving forward. The knock from that anonymous Big 12 coach said that Kingsbury tries to do too much on offense. That should be music to the New York Jets' ears that he tries to do too much on offense because it has been stagnant, to say the least, and to be nice of this Jets' offense. 
And before we, we, we go on to the Giants, if you're questioning whether or not I think Mike McCagnin should have gone with Todd Bowles, I think he should have gone with Todd Bowles because the Jets have the number three pick in this draft. Obviously, he's not going to miss on that pick, right? And anyone with eyes is going to know who to pick in that, dra- in, that, in that position. So I can't wait for all you people that love Mike McCagnin and, and to justify his job and, and pointing that pick out to everybody like, look, he didn't miss on number three this year again. I can't wait for that. But the truth of the matter is that Mike McCagnin should have lost his job along with Todd Bowles. Because if you're trying to clear house, well, you need to clear house. Okay, so look at let's look at these Mac Mike uh, Mac meaning um, Mike McCagnin his his hits let's call them his draft hits okay 2018 round one Sam Darnold duh the, the Jets were getting a quarterback anyway with that pick time will tell only if McCagnin needed to give up so much draft capital to get him because if you look at the other guys Josh Allen Josh Rosen. Baker Mayfield was already off the board at that point. So we're not sure exactly which way um, Sand Arnold is going to go. So we're going to put that one on hold. 2017, round one, Jamal Adams is on the rise. But if you look also, McCagnin left Christian McCaffrey and get this, Patrick Mahomes on the board. Can you imagine what a different world that would have been if he actually picked Patrick Mahomes instead of Jamal Adams? And I'm not saying Jamal Adams is a bad player because I do like him and he is a great player. But man, Patrick Mahomes, you wouldn't even have needed to give up the draft capital in 2018 to get Sam Darnold. 2016, round one, he picks 20th. He picks Darren Lee. Darren Lee closed out the season with serving a PED suspension. And before you guys jump on that, you know, is Darren Lee even a really good player? Because it can be argued that he's not. For his career, and we're talking 2016. 17, 18, three seasons. He's got three total interceptions, 11 total passes defended, only two forced fumbles, only four sacks, and only 17 tackles for a loss. That is not production from a 20th overall pick in the round one of the 2016 draft, if you ask me. In 2015, let's go back to round one, he picks Leonard Williams. And now Leonard Williams is a fine player. But the only Pro Bowl he's ever made was as an injury replacement. He's good for four sacks a season on average, which is awful. So I look back. You know, is that really awful? I look back. I look at Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa was the first defensive end drafted the following year after Leonard Williams. He averages 9.5 sacks a season. Miles Garrett was drafted the year after that, after Bosa. He averages 10 sacks a season. And then I looked even before Leonard Williams. Jadavian Clowney, who played last night for the Texans. We'll talk about that in a minute. He was drafted the year before him, and he averages six sacks per season. So if you look at the, the one, two, three, f- last four first defensive end picks in the first round, Leonard Williams is the worst out of all four of them. And that year in 2015, Mike McCadden left Todd Gurley on the draft board. Imagine the Jets with Todd Gurley and Patrick Mahomes. Can you say the word Super Bowl? So Mike McCagnin, although he's had some hits, he didn't hit the jackpot. He just hit a, a nominal, you know, when 
You, you, you win that on a slot machine and you put the money back and you keep playing with it. He didn't win the jackpot that you would say, okay, cash out. Of course, he's missed big time in the NFL as well. Out of his 22 picks, six of them are not even on an NFL roster. And if you want to include two more players that are only on practice squads, eight of them aren't even playing in NFL action. Okay? His misses. Oh, God. Christian Hackenberg, 2016, round two. Devin Smith, wide receiver. Outside linebacker, Lorenzo Molden. Bryce Petty, another quarterback. You know, where are we going to be in two years? Okay? Wishing that, that Mike McCagnan should have gone with Todd Bowles when hiring a new GM. Okay? Should... should are we going to look back in two years and say, okay, well, this quarter, this coach has got the Jets to like 8-8. Eight and eight. They might be a playoff team, but, man, we wish we would have gotten written the GM too so that they can – we wish we would have gotten a guy to work with our head coach, hopefully Bruce Arians or Mike McCarthy, so that they can build a roster together. I think it's backwards thinking. I, I think you have to let Mike McCadden go. If that's, if that's what you want to do, if that's what you want to move forward in doing, I think McCagnan had to have gone with Bulls. And you justifiers are going to say, oh, he, he, he hit on this year's draft in 2019. Sure he did. Or sure he's going to. He's got the third overall pick in the draft. And I, I've been doing a little research, and I think uh, obviously if Nick Bose is there, the Jets should go after him. That, that fills a, a major need for the Jets' defense is, um, is an edge rusher, and they haven't had one since they let go. Mac let go. Uh, Wilkerson, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and, and Snacks Harrison, by the way, under his watch. Those guys all left town, by the way. So now the Jets are in a position where they need an edge rusher. Because Leonard Williams, and, and maybe it's not his fault that he's only good for four sacks a season because he's been getting double teamed pretty much every single game. All right? So um, I think that the Jets should have cleaned house totally. And I think that since they didn't, I think it's backwards thinking, and I think it's the same old Jets. But I hope it's not. There are those who see the challenges facing the nation and say, send me. They fight for country. They fight for honor. They fight to win. Do you have what it takes? Find out at GoArmy.com slash Warriors. Muhammad Wilkerson, you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 90.3 FM. And getting on to the Giants season, who could have thought it was going to be this bad? New GM, new coach, best player in the 2018 draft, Saquon Barkley. Odell Beckham Jr. on a heeled ankle. They drafted one of the highest-graded offensive linemen every week, Will Hernandez. And they had a huge free agent signing in Nate Solder to shore up the offensive line. Things were looking up for the Giants until they started 1-6. And, and by the way, the Colts started 1-5, and, and they just won the playoff game last night. More on that in a minute. They had some massive mass exodus. Eli Apple was traded. Damon Harrison was traded. Shermer on both. Uh, you know, he said that we were presented with offers that we basically couldn't refuse. So for the 2019 draft, the Giants are going to be picking sixth overall. And uh, here's here's a theme song that pops into my mind last night when thinking, 
about Eli Manning and the New York Giants quarterback situation. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? If I go, there will be trouble. And if I stay, it will be double. Right. If, uh, if he goes, Eli Manning, there's going to be trouble. And if he stays, there might be double. So what do the Giants do? The first thing is that the Giants need to see, they have to look at this roster and decide whether they, they are in win-now mode or not. And would they want to break in a brand-new quarterback? Because as of right now, the Giants have $32 million in cap room, which is 18th in the NFL. And Eli Manning is set for a big payday. But the Giants can actually save $17 million by releasing Eli Manning. Because otherwise, he's going to count $23.2 million against the Giants cap. And that's factored into that, too. So the Giants can save $17 million by releasing Eli Manning. But should they? That's the question. Obviously, if you're... And, and this is so divisive in New York sports media. You know, people call up. And, and even when I was on the fan, they, have to, they feel like they have to preface the call with... I'm an Eli guy, or I'm not an Eli guy. And and that's how the, the calls always start. So if they don't go with Eli Manning, I looked at, and you know this, I looked at the free agencies, uh, quarterbacks for 2019, including Teddy Bridgewater, Josh McCown even probably, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Those guys are all NFL quarterbacks. But the new news this morning was that the Eagles have made a decision. They are sticking with Carson Wentz next year and beyond. So Nick Foles will finish out this season in Eagles green, and that'll be it. So the Eagles are going to punt their their reigning Super Bowl MVP from last year to free agency or to trades. I, I, I'm not sure exactly which one, but he will not be playing in Philadelphia in 2019. I think it's trades. So Nick Foles will be available. And I asked as I was coming on the air just now, do the Giants go after him? Are the Giants all in on on uh, on Nick Foles? I've got emphatic responses, both yes and no. Brian Monzo was the first to, to reply to my tweet. He wrote, God, no. And Brian Monzo obviously is Mike Francesa's produ- producer. So he wrote back, God, no. Glenn Shuck, who's also on the radio, says yes with two exclamation points. Michael Bossy thinks it's a good idea. Dave Fulton thinks it's no, it's not a good idea, and there's never going to be a trade between the Giants and the Eagles. Ben Solomon's putting a crying emoji. Billy D on Periscope right now is telling me that the Giants need a rebuild, not a quick fix. So is Nick Foles the quick fix answer? Kevin Gallagher is liking Brian Monzo's tweet. God, no. So that has opened an entire can of worms for the New York Giants. But before we even conjecture as to whether or not that would be a good fit, you need to see and figure out if Eli Manning is going to be your guy moving forward. Because like I said, the Giants can save $17 million in releasing him. But should they? Here's a defense for Eli Manning. He was sacked a career high 47 times last season. 47 times last season. Any quick math, 47 divided by a 16-game season, that is, come on, computer, 47 divided by 16 equals 
uh, what is it, like three times a game? Someone do that quick math. Is it three times a game he's been sacked? He was sacked only 52 times in the two seasons prior to 2018. Yeah, three times a game. He's got no mobility. We know that about Eli Manning. We've always known that. But in spite of that, and in spite of this offensive line and, and everything else going on with Eli Manning, and this is a defense of him, he put up career numbers this season. And, and by the way, Pat Shermer came in, and before him it was one year of Ben McAdoo, and before that it was Tom Cobb. So Eli Manning over the past three most recent seasons has had three different head coaches, three different schemes. So in 2019, is, is, is it going to be better? It's got to be. It can't be any worse. So he worked a brand new scheme for, this, for, for Shermer this season. And he, this season, he, he worked behind an offensive line that had, like, I don't even know, six, seven, eight different combinations. Week to week, it was always someone a, a new combination. So once that line was shored up and pretty consistent, and after that bye week, the Giants went on a little run. The Giants had, I mean, they had a shot at a playoff run. I mean, um, it wasn't a big shot, but they had a shot. And I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but I think the sensible thing to do would be to take on another quarterback, whether it be in the draft, little, maybe through free agency, and Billy D saying it's a little too little, too late. Yeah, I get that, but things. The point I'm trying to make is that things gelled towards the end, and that might bode well for 2019. So I think the Giants do need to add another quarterback because um, the buzz with their backups is that they are not the guy to replace Eli Manning. So take on another quarterback, whether it's through the draft, through free agency, through trade even. The way the Giants offense is designed, it should have a mobile quarterback because mobile quarterbacks mask mediocre offensive lines. Seriously. And they, they extend plays. They allow receivers to get open. And, and people like to focus on the offensive woes of the Giants. Let me tell you something. Their defense was ranked 24th in the 2018 regular season. They gave up 26 points per game, which was 10th most in the NFL. The Giants' defense has no real pass rusher. It has shoddy cornerbacks. It's got a linebacking and safety crew that still hasn't figured out after years how to cover the tight end. So let's 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 hash this out a little bit. The Bre- the Bears, they have a playoff caliber offense, don't they? You would think so. The Bears are in the playoffs. They're playing today. If the Bears defense, which is one of the best in the league, had given up on average twenty six points per game, they would have finished the season at six and ten. Let me say that again. If the Bears gave up the amount of points average that the Giants gave up average per game, the Bears who are playing today in the wild card round would have finished the season at 6-10, and 10, and they would have missed the playoffs. The Giants finished 2018 at 5-11. You cannot win games if you're giving up that many points per game. I don't know. I don't care how many. You put up 100 points in a football game. If your opponent scores 102, you lose. Okay? So the Giants need to focus on their defense, and I think the offense will come as, as a result of that. You're calling for a new head coach on Periscope, another new head coach. You're going to make Eli Manning go through four head coaches in four consecutive seasons, and not just him, the entire team? Wrong. I think that's the wrong answer. you got to shore up that defense. Because, like I said, the Bears who are playing today would have been 6-10 and 10 
with the effort and the amount of points that the Giants had given up on average per season. Always going for another pump. Fourth down, last call. Hail Mary, Prescott, touchdown. Hey. Yep. Giants fans, it was it was uh, hard to watch last night. That uh, that's that's Post Malone, by the way, his brand new song called Wow. He's a uh, he's a he's a Cowboys fan, Post Malone. Malone and uh, he was Dak Prescott was uh, was the man last night, was he not? The Seahawks and Cowboys, the later game. Honestly, the game was kind of boring. I mean, the first half, I, and I was betting with my my sports app, and I, I said that I had three dollars. I'm not a big better. I, I bet little amounts, but I had three dollars that the first touchdown scored in that game was going to be Russell Wilson on, on the legs of Russell Wilson, and there was no score. I think through no touchdown through like halftime, and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is exciting in a way, but there's no scoring, so it's not in a way very exciting. And um, it turns out that the first touchdown was scored by the Cowboys, I think right in the beginning of the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, or the end of the second quarter. I think the end of the second quarter. But um, Russell Wilson had not scored a rushing touchdown the entire regular season. Of course it makes sense that he scores on his legs the second touchdown of the game. So my $3 bet would have won me 57 if it had happened before the Cowboys had scored. And I, so I was pretty ticked off about that. Um, another thing that came out of that game was obviously that Alan Hearns injury. Did you see it? It was pretty bad. It, it, to me, it looked as if the bone came through his skin. And definite overnight surgery. It had to have been overnight surgery for Alan Hearns. And um, I, I just love it that everybody on Twitter starts doing prayers up for Alan Hearns, prayers up for Alan Hearns. And, you know, that could be a... Um, and that could be... A career debilitating injury, career ending injury. Uh, Alan Schefter, Adam Schefter, had tweeted that uh, he had already gone undergone surgery last night. It was a dislocated ankle that ended his season. Obviously, as difficult as the injury was to see, Hearns is football by August if there are no complications or anything out of the ordinary. So that's good news for him and for the Cowboys. Um, and, and you knew it. You just knew it that the final score what was it, twenty four twenty two. You knew that the the Seahawks were going to be in a position, and it never actually came down to this, but you knew they were going to be in a position where their their field goal, their place kicker, was going to have to make a kick. Losing by two, it was primed to be that way. But because I say that because Janikowski seemed to have pulled his hamstring in the first half, and you knew it was going to come down to it at the end. But actually, it never came down to that. They did lose by two. And the Cowboys are moving on to take on, uh, I forget who it is next week, uh, I think the Saints. Is it the Saints? Now we have the, the the Colts and the Texans were the earlier game. And anybody that's ever listened to my show and, and fans for a long time have known that when I went to Vegas, I was extremely invested in this game because I went to Vegas in February of last last year, almost a year ago, February 24th of 24, 2018, I should say, at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. I put $10 down on the Texans to win the Super Bowl. That was before the draft, before Watt was even sure to come back. And my $10 would have made me $210. And all I would have needed to see, all I needed to see last night was that first half. 21 nothing, going in to, the, to halftime. And Warrior Class on, on Periscope right now is saying that the Colts are scary in the playoffs. Best O-line football this year. And that's remarkable because they were one of the worst offensive lines not that long ago. And if anybody knocks... Pay, 
and by the way, this is totally a sidebar, but if anybody knocks picking a first round, using a first round pick on an offensive lineman, well, all you have to look at is Quentin Nelson from last night. He owned Clowney multiple times in that game. So if the Giants were to take an offensive lineman in the first round of next year's draft, I mean this current year's draft, I would not be opposed to it, honestly. To trade down and even get one in the first round, I would not be opposed to that. And Quentin Nelson was a first round draft pick on the Colts. And the Colts had one of the worst offensive lines in in the NFL, resulting in Andrew Luck being injured because of it. And here they are being one of the best offensive lines in the league and, and making Luck look like a superstar. So the first half is all I needed to see. And um, my, my bet went out the window, honestly. And, you know, what really bothered me was that there was no sense of urgency for these Texans. Not even with the clock winding down, seven minutes to go in the game, they're in a good position to score to make it a one-possession game. No sense of urgency. Just none. None. For me, it was hard to watch. And I'd hate to be the Chiefs next week because the Colts have won 10 of their last 11 games, including that playoff game last night. I mean, that's amazing to me. Has their luck run out? Uh, We'll see. Warrior Class was watching the game too. He said the Texans were very underwhelming. Yep, they really were. They really were. So, uh, no pun intended, will the Colts' luck run out next week uh, versus the the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But today's games, we've got the L.A. Chargers at the Baltimore Ravens, 105. Kickoff in a little while. Uh, that's Eastern, by, by the way. I like the Ravens in this game, and I like their defense. Um, that's why I'm going to go Ravens. Then we have the 440 game, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Chicago Bears. Although I want to say Chicago, I think the fold Foles-led Eagles, I like them in this game. I think um, they find a way to dice up the the. Chicago defense a little bit, and I think that um, they um, they just can't get it done on offense. So I'm going um, Eagles again uh, in today's game. And uh, I know, boo Eagles, Billy D, I know, but I, th- I think they pull it off today. And um, obviously tomorrow night, Monday night, is the big NCAA football championship game. We have the Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the Clemson Tigers. Um and that's just a, a bowl game to uh, try out for the NFL, honestly. And I think uh, I think it's going to be Alabama this year. Oh, Warrior Class is getting ready to go into MNT Bank Stadium. He's going to the game. That is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool. I, I've never been to a playoff football game. But then again, I live where the Jets and Giants play. <laughs> so that's probably why. In Austin, it's 60 degrees with a chamber. <laughs> Alexa? Amazon's Alexa lost her voice this morning, causing a Alexa lost her voice. How is that even possible? We have the replacements ready. Just say the word. And you're sure this is going to work? Yeah. Alexa, show me a recipe for a grilled cheese sandwich. Pathetic. You're 32 years of age, and you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Its name is the recipe, you Alexa, how far is Mars? How far is Mars? Well, how am I supposed to know? I've never been there. This guy want to go to Mars. <laughs> For what? This- 60 minutes overtime. Hurry up offense with Danielle McCartan. 
So today's 60-minute overtime hurry-up offense is brought to you by FanMug, a Canon bottle cooler, a mug, and a desk caddy in the form of, of officially licensed miniature replica of your favorite football team's helmet, NFL, or NCAA. Head to FanMug.com to snag yours, and virtually every team is available. NHL News, the New Jersey Devils defeated the Minnesota Wild 3-2 in a shootout victory on the road. Devils' Drew Stafford scored the shootout winner. Next stop on New Jersey's road trip is Las Vegas. They're set to take on the Golden Knights at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. New York Rangers are also on the West Coast today. They take on the Arizona Coyotes at 4 p.m. Eastern. Over the last two games, the Rangers have been outscored 13-3, though. The New York Knicks stole a game from the LeBron James list Los Angeles Lakers on Friday. That was the only Knicks. That was only the Knicks' 10th win of the season. The Knicks continue their road trip on the late-night game tomorrow night at the Portland Trailblazers. The Brooklyn Nets defeated the Memphis Grizzlies on the road Friday night, 109-100. to Grizzlies' Mike Conley Jr. led all scorers with 31 points. In a Sunday matinee, the Chicago Bulls will host the Nets at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. In NFL news, the New York Jets are in search of a new head coach after Todd Bowles was fired before Black Monday even began. Big-name frontrunners for the job include Mike McCarthy, Adam Gase, Eric Bieniemy, and, and possibly Bruce Arians. No timeline for a hire has been laid out for the Jets, and they will pick number three overall in the 2019 draft. GM Mike McCagnan is staying aboard. New York Giants have some question marks of their own. Who will quarterback the team in 2019? It is a divisive question, depending on who you ask. D- GM Dave Gettleman de- remarked that the Giants are in an evaluation process and would not commit either way. The Giants will hold the sixth overall pick in the 2019 draft. I'm Danielle McCartan with your 60-minute overtime hurry-up offense. Man, I might just chill tonight. Puppy monkey baby. 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 Mountain Dew Kickstart. Dew, juice, caffeine. Hi, this is Charlie Hayes third baseman for the 1996 World Series champs. And you're listening to 60 Minutes Overtime on WRPR. I don't dance now, I make money move. Say I don't gotta dance, I make money move. So the Yankees are making some money moves. That's Cardi B, Bodak Yellow, obviously, that has almost a billion views on YouTube, by the way. So the Yankees are making some money moves, and somewhat, though, they've just acquired Troy Tulowitzki, and that has certainly clouded up the crystal ball of having Manny Machado in pinstripes, hasn't it? Machado has gotten a a formal offer from the White Sox at 10 years, $300 million, but Machado has been adamant that he wanted to be a shortstop and that he did not want to play third base. Well, with Troy Tulowitzki figured to be the, the starting shortstop for the Jets, for the, for the Yankees, heading into the 2019 season, you'd have to think that he wouldn't be too happy to join the team at that point in time. Machado also wants a long-term deal, 
But the Yankees have Giancarlo Stanton on a long-term deal that, and they, in my opinion, won't be inclined to make another one, especially with Aaron Judge and D.D. Gregorius set to be paid big bucks soon. And, and then you have Glaber Torres, and then you have Gary Sanchez. They're all owed big contracts. So I don't think the Yankees would want to take on a big contract um, at, at this point in time. And Billy D is saying February 13th, pitchers and catchers. That can't come soon enough. So to join the New York Yankees, not only would Machado have to compromise on the position in which he'd be playing, but on the length of contract and probably the dollar amount as well. So that leads me to believe that Troy Tulowitzki is going to be the stopgap until D.D. Gregorius can come back from Tommy John surgery, which hopefully should be by um, the All-Star break. But let's just say that the Yankees do, in fact, land Machado, and Billy D. thinks Hal needs to open the checkbook. No way. What will the Yankees do with Miguel Andujar? Who should have been last year's AL Rookie of the Year? He got robbed of that. So the only way I'm on board of letting men, uh, letting uh, Miguel Andujar go is if it's for an A-plus starting pitching arm. Because there is, there is, they were, there would be a market for a guy like and Miguel Andujar. But the only way you're letting him go is if that you're getting an A-plus known, proven commodity starting pitcher. In return, now I think the Yankees they did they they made some moves with, with Paxton. I think that was a good move. I liked it. They got Hap back. I liked it. And now Gray they might be sh- holding on to. The biggest mistake they made with Sonny Gray was, and it's the biggest mistake the Jets made with um, Eric Decker was that they said they were going to trade them, and that's not boding well for what they're going to get in return. Clearly, so is Miguel Andujar going to be packaged for an A plus starting arm? That's the only way I'd, I'd let him go. Because pitching, as you know, uh, for the Yankees, has been the Achilles heel for a couple of years in a row now. Now, sp- speaking of pitching, the um, before we oh, and uh, and I like that the Yankees are playing the field, quote unquote, with Manny Machado. I like it. Now, with the pitching, David Robertson, the Yankees have one of the best bullpens in in the baseball uh, the back end last year. They had Zach Britton, they had David Robertson, and they had Dylan Batances. I mean, if the Yankees starting pitching could get to the 6th or 7th inning, it was pretty much game over, right? Now, with Robertson signing with the Phillies, the Yankees had to turn their attention to locking up Zach Britton, who they had gotten last year. He was great, and I, and I advocated for him, and he was great. And guess what? The Yankees locked up Zach Britton last night, and that should be good news for Yankees fans everywhere. His deal with the Yankees will be for three years guaranteed. The Yankees will be able to exercise a fourth-year option after the second season. And if they don't, Britton will have the ability to opt out following that second year. Price tag, I think it's like $13 million a year, $39 million total. I think it's it's money well spent. I think Britton was excellent for the Yankees last year. And if he even had a pick between Robertson and Britton, I think the Yankees made the right move in picking Britton and letting Robertson go. Um, the Yankees could not swing and miss on getting him back. Their strength, their backhand of the bullpen, would have quickly become their weakness because we know Dellen Patances, and I talked to him, and you guys heard it here, he yields a ton of stolen bases but just because he's so, he's so tall and he's so big and he's just got a long delivery to the plate. So I think bravo, Yankees, good move on Britain, and I think Yankees fans have to be happy about that. But I think Yankees fans are still looking for the big move that the Yankees are going to make in the offseason, if if any. And for me, as I said on WFAN, Harper is the guy for me. Machado, there's no need for Machado, and there's really no need for Harper either. But if they're going to get one of the two of them, I hope for the Yankees' sake that, that it is Harper. You four. 
got the best deals on new Fords. Word gets around. I knew I was going to get a good deal already at Thoroughbred. It's no secret the lowest prices on new Fords are at Thoroughbred Ford. We've got the inventory to find just what you're looking for. And with the most for your trade, your price goes lower and lower. Oh, it's going to go down more. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Even more. Okay, that's awesome. Are you sure? Find out what everybody's talking about. The best deals on new Fords are at Thoroughbred Ford. Okay, what the f <laughs> One of my favorite segments on this show, 60-minute overtime, is my what the F story of the week. Now, I, I this one I didn't even have to go looking for. It came to me, this story. We go to Alabama for a girls' high school basketball story. Now, before you turn this off and say, who cares about Alabama high school girls' basketball, you should. There's a girl. She's a senior. Her name is Maori Davenport. And she played, she helped lead USA, the U18 team, for the under-18 team for the USA to a gold medal this summer. She's the number 15 high school recruit in the nation. And she signed on with Rutgers to play um, for the next season. She signed on in November. Now, that same Maori Davenport has been declared ineligible to play basketball her entire senior year in Alabama. Well, why? Well, the Alabama High School Athletic Association ruled her ineligible for her senior season after she cashed a check for $857.20 that was mistakenly sent to her by USA Basketball as a stipend for lost wages and costs associated with representing her country. When USA Basketball realized its mistake in November, it notified the school and Alabama officials Davenport repaid the money, but the Alabama Association that controls all the high school sports, they're not budging. In fact, they've, they've doubled down and tripled down. The one-year suspension has been upheld twice on appeal, once by an AHSAA district board and then by its central board. So Davenport told ESPNW that, I realize this is the reality, but it hasn't gotten any easier. Now, Davenport on social media has been getting support from Spalding because Sp Spalding is the maker of official basketballs at any level. They tweeted, never take away basketball from a kid, let her play. Then the WNBA got wind of it, and the WNBA tweeted that, quote, the WNBA urges the Alabama High School Athletic Association to reinstate Maori Davenport. Let her play the rest of her senior season instead of being penalized for an honest mistake by others, end quote. Now, for this story, I was, ho I was hoping to land a WNBA player to talk about this with me. I reached out to Las Vegas Aces' uh, Kayla McBride, who I've interviewed before, who <laughs> remembered me when I went out there. I've, in uh, I've reached out to Elena Deladonne, who is the most dominant WNBA player, and her agent, nothing. Didn't hear anything back from them. And I also reached out to, there was a third one. Oh, um, Swin Cash from the former uh, uh, Liberty player. I reached out to three of them, got no response. So, you know, 
it's a shame because this is a big story and people on Periscope are telling me now, let her play. Yeah, this is the classic case scenario of people not doing their jobs. Okay, this is a classic case scenario of USA basketball screwing up royally. Now, now screwing up not only this girl's high school team season, senior season especially, also screwing up the possibility of, of Rutgers and, and, and what they have got going on because, you know, the kid is not playing basketball. In the article, it says that she's taking some shots here and there. She goes to the games, but really for what reason? She is a team player. Um, she's taking some shots on the side. She doesn't want to take away from what's going on with her team. So that, to me, if, if I'm Rutgers, I'm a little bit worried because she's not getting the game experience. She's not in shape I mean, anymore. She's not in game shape, I should say. She's not in game shape. She's not getting game experience. And and, and she's not working on her skills in game-like situations. So for me, if I'm Rutgers, that program, and, and I think Vivian Stringer is the coach there, I'd, I would be very, very um Billy D is saying that Rutgers can use anything they can get, and that is true. They are lucky that this girl, number the 15th uh, recruit in the country, has signed on to play for Rutgers. So I'd be very concerned, and I think that having Spalding behind her and WNBA, and, and but having this being upheld twice on appeal, I really don't think they're going to budge, and I think it's a shame because this is a mistake. And USA Basketball has come out and said they made a mistake. The problem is that not that it was that she was being paid. The problem is that the payment exceeded what Alabama allows. I think Alabama allows. I think it's like two hundred and two hundred fifty dollars of like, you know, um, like what's that called? Reimbursement for travel expenses and whatever. And this happened to be eight hundred fifty-seven dollars and twenty cents. And that was the issue. Not that she was getting reimbursed, but the fact that it had exceeded the rules that they put forth. Again, USA Basketball says that they, they made a mistake. This girl gave the money back soon after, and they're still not allowing her to play. I think I agree with you, Billy D. It is unreal, and it's a shame. And, you know, I'll keep you updated if I hear any, any developments in this, but unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. That poor kid. That poor kid. So I'm going to leave you guys today with my one-on-one interview with – New York Giants legendary and Super Bowl winning quarterback Phil Simms from not long ago, two weeks ago, I would say. Um, and, and next week I want to talk about a little bit about the AAF, I think, when his son Matt Sims is going to be quarterbacking the the Atlanta team. The Atlanta, I think it's hot shots in the AAF. So we'll talk about that next week. And I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. YouTube search Coach McCartan, soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan. 60-minute overtime everywhere. And thanks, Billy D. Great job as always. He says, thanks for tuning in pretty much the whole show. I think you were aboard. Um, enjoy the games today, everybody. Uh, let's go Ravens and, uh, and and let's go Eagles, I guess. Yeah, and Mike says, I, I thought I heard you on the fan. Yep, I was there. So KC uh, <laughs> KC 5 says, we need to get Mahomes on your show. Oh, man, I wish. I wish we can get Mahomes on my show. But uh, the... the <laughs> Mike McCagnan could have picked Mahomes for, for my team, the Jets, and he didn't. He missed him. He left him on the board. So there's that. i see you guys next Sunday. Same bad time, same bad channel, and uh, stay tuned for my interview right now with the New York Giants former quarterback, Phil Simms. Hi, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan, back with Phil Simms here at Parisi's in Fairlawn. And it's this is a couple times that we've talked now. Um, a little bit different, though, because Matt's going to be joining the AAF and the yes. Atlanta team. Um, 
I guess, what is, as a father, he's back in professional football. What does that mean for you? Well, I'm happy because I think he's happy. I think he wanted to play and still wants to play. So this is, gives him an opportunity. So, you know, that's all. You want to see your children happy. And he wants to give it one more try. And, and I definitely understand that. You know, I'm pretty smart myself and can judge. And I think he, he deserves another chance. And we'll see if it works out. But um, he's in good spirits now. And we'll see how the league goes. You know, mm -hmm. startup league, I'm wondering, is it going to be really good or is it going to be – a lot of learning to do uh -huh. with the new league, so uh -huh. we'll see. But but I am happy he's uh, excited about playing. You think it's that league, the AAF, is more of like a lot of players using it as a springboard to get back into the NFL? Well, yeah, sure. I think what it is that that that's how they're even promoting it. They want you to go to the NFL because if you go to the NFL, then that's mm -hmm. just a feather in their cap for the right. league, and right. they, they, that will inspire a lot of guys that maybe don't want to give it a second chance that they will, and if they do well there, that they will get a tryout or get a chance to go to camp and show off one more time and see if it works for them. So I think that's probably the best thing they have going for them. One, you can make some money, but two, it gives you a chance to show the NFL one more time that you deserve to be in the league. Now, quarterback is the team's best asset. We know that. You're training them here. I mean, it's fundamental. They're up there doing film work now. Yeah. The, the quarterback academy with the Sims is, it's, it's above and beyond. Well, it's fun. Um, you know, to do it during the season. I've really never done this. So on a Saturday night, you know, yeah. I gotta yeah. gotta get some sleep. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, but it is fun. I love working with the kids. There's nothing better. And people people always ask me, like you know, Boomer Esiason. I throw his name out there. He go, why do you do that? I said, you know, because I like doing it. I think I know what I'm talking about. And I said, when the kid throws it, and he throws it exactly the right way, they turn and look at you. I go, yeah, no, it's good. You know, I mean, it, it's that's the thrill of yeah. doing it. And you know, these kids, they want to do it, they want to get better, and, and uh, hopefully we can uh, make them a little better. Now let me just quickly ask you, I know you wanted to go back, sure. about Eli Manning and the Giants. I believe you were of the school of thought that he will be around next year or should be around next year? Or well, no? I'm pretty sure he will be around. Okay. I don't know if the Giants have positioned themselves. Where there's the, first off, the, the quarterback of the future is not on the Giants right now as far as we talk about the franchise guy and all that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when the offseason comes, it's still a long time between right now and starting next season. So who knows what? Who knows what will happen? But if I had to guess, that Eli will be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants in 2019. Now, as a former quarterback yourself, too, he's the longest-tenured Giants quarterback. You're second longest. No, we're tied. Oh, you're tied now. Yes. Okay. 15 so, years each. So maybe, maybe not one more season with you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, how would you expect or want the Giants to, if he is the quarterback, build around him? Obviously, the offensive line is an issue. They've got the running back. It's all the same. You know, every team it's the same. You know, you're not going to have a perfect team, and you have to. You want your quarterback to be able over to overcome some of the deficiencies on the football team. That could be helping out the defense. It could. It's many things. Mm -hmm. So they're never going to build around anybody. Nobody has the perfect group: receivers, tight end, running backs, line. And you know, you're not going to have five great offensive linemen, and a lot of people get hurt. So uh, th there's a lot there. But so that's where you ask your quarterback sometimes. He has to change, be a little different, to, to pick up for what's a weak spot on your football team. So, you know, I, I hear that all the time. Well, if the Giants get a good offensive line and they get some receivers and they block more and they run the ball and then Eli. Keep some okay. points off the board. Okay. And well, <laughs> that's yeah, a lot. I, I said I think every team's trying to yeah. accomplish that same goal. So yeah. I laugh when I hear the whole thing. But, but it is. It's just so complicated and everything. And you're going to have – Football is a game of nothing but adversity, and you want your quarterback to be able to overcome sometimes, especially now in the NFL, to, to help your football team out. And finally, Sam Darnold, real deal? Well, you know, 
I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame yet. You know, okay. it's it's amazing. People want to know, and it's always a question I'm asked constantly. Yeah. Uh, he has shown t- enough to me to think that the Jets did the right thing in drafting him with the third pick of the draft. And did I have concerns about him? Yeah, I'm not going to go into all those. Yeah. But I think his footwork, his movement, and his throwing is actually – especially these last couple games, has been better than I expected. Ability to keep the drive alive, too, for him. Yeah, well, yeah, That listen, if you can't do that now in the NFL, then you're not going to play. And, and, you know, because you can't, you can't build a stone wall in front of them anymore. Yeah. It's just there's too many great athletes on the defensive side that somebody's going to get in bad position and the quarterback's going to have pressure, and you got to avoid it, move, throw it, throw it while you're getting hit, whatever. That's just part of it. But Sam Darnold has shown that's probably the, be- the best skill he has right now. Cool. All right. Okay. I'm Daniel McCartan. He's Phil Sims. And thank you very much. Right. See you on NFL always. Today tomorrow. You got it. See Are you there. watching? All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday. 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.